Good afternoon, Acadiana. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 965 KPL. Glad to be with you guys this afternoon. Another bleak looking one out there. A little chilly, a little rainy. Uh, but it looks like some clearer skies coming up for the remainder of the week, although it, the temperatures will stay low, just how I like them. All right. Uh, I, I, we have to talk a little bit about the Russia-Ukraine situation. I typically try to avoid some of these topics other than when there's like a really big disastrous boo-boo that the government makes, and I think we're headed there. And there's a lot of different opinions out there. You heard a bit of it on Dan Bongino's show. You've heard a little bit of on Tucker Carlson's show. And there's a couple things, a couple of issues that that go into this greater issue. Now, to catch everybody up, right now, Russia has a lot of troops uh, poised on the border with Ukraine. The United States has put out a call for any American citizens, any uh, diplomats, everybody, to go ahead and make their plans to leave Ukraine. The U.S. is also contemplating sending troops to Ukraine, as well as maybe potentially selling weapons, other, other, uh, other means of deterrence like that. The, uh, our NATO allies are also considering some actions as well. A lot of the talking points from the right are really centered today on whether or not we really want to commit to another military action. And it's kind of a flip from where things have been in the past, where typically the right has been a little more welcoming of military action, and it's the left that has been against it. But America largely is tired of armed conflict. We just got out of Afghanistan. That was a disaster. Our appetite for war, appetite for armed conflict is not there. And I understand that completely. And I don't want us to have to jump into another war. At the same time, though, a lot of the knee-jerk, we don't need to get involved in this commentary, somewhat ignores one of the bigger problems here. And it's the problem that actually led to the Ukraine situation in the first place. Back when Obama was in office, he did nothing about Russia moving into Crimea. And it was a, a big thing. The right was pointing out that Obama did nothing about it. Obama claimed he did something, but nothing ever really happened. During the Trump years, when the U.S. was being a little bit more aggressive in, in foreign policy, despite Trump's rhetoric of wanting to get out of the Middle East, the American military, the American armed forces were on alert and were a little bit more active on the world stage. And the Russians did nothing. Keep in mind that the Democrats have been claiming since Trump won his election that the Russians wanted him in so that he could be their puppet. Russia did nothing on this type of stage like they're doing now. Biden comes back into office. Russia almost immediately starts making noise at the Ukraine border. Vladimir Putin and the Russians feel emboldened here. And my concern going forward is if we don't get involved with Ukraine, I'm not saying a war. I'm not saying we need to, to have a, a, a big armed conflict like we just got out of or, or tried to get out of in Afghanistan, just kind of ran away from in Afghanistan. 
But if we don't do something, if we don't put up some sort of deterrence, if NATO doesn't band together, if the United States doesn't throw their strength into deterrence here, then Russia will feel compelled to push it further. And they'll push it further. And they'll push it further. Russia sees the opportunity to return to what it feels is its natural sphere of influence. Eastern Europe is in danger of more Russian aggression if there is no deterrence there. The same with China. China is giving Russia its backing because China wants to do the same thing. There are plenty of Southeastern Asian countries that China wants to essentially take over, extend their sphere of influence to, because China, like Russia, believes that this territory is part of their natural sphere of influence. And if we don't do something to actively deter Russia now, then we're going to get to a point where not only does Russia feel emboldened, but China feels emboldened. Much as you can say about what Donald Trump did or didn't, and the left likes to say what he did or didn't do in the most critical way possible, you didn't see a whole lot of aggression out of Russia. You didn't see a whole lot of aggression out of China. Nothing nothing on this scale. And so what we have to decide, not only as Republicans or conservatives, but as a country, is where is this going to end? Again, Don't want another Cold War. Don't want another hot war. But there has to be something. Something has to be done to deter this type of action because it will eventually turn into another major conflict if we don't. 232-1542. We're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about something a little bit different. Some cultural issues that I've kind of noticed in the entertainment side of our culture. We're going to talk about that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 965 KPL when we return. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPL. Joe Cunningham in with you guys this afternoon. Glad to be here. If you want to call in, uh, I spent the last segment talking about the uh, Russia-Ukraine situation. If you want to call in 232-1542, you can also comment on social media. Find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Uh, Twitter, you can find me at Joe P. Cunningham. Uh, as well, you can also uh, listen to the podcast version of the show if you want to go back and hear what I said in case you missed it. I want to, though, spend some time on this this interesting cultural shift that I'm kind of seeing in our entertainment media. So yesterday, if, if, if this weekend, if you did not watch... It was, particularly yesterday, a very exciting day in the NFL. Two great games. Fantastic games. If you, if you miss them, you missed out on, on arguably the best games of the year, if not in a long time. And you know what else? The ratings for the NFL games have been going up. The stuff that turned a lot of people off of the NFL... The, the kneeling, the, the social justice commentary, all of that has disappeared. And now people are watching the NFL again. They're not being inundated with all this social messaging. And that's a good thing. When our sports media 
is getting higher ratings because people are actually getting sports. When I haven't been watching these NFL games, I've been spending a lot of time lately catching up on the series Doctor Who. If you've never watched it, very nerdy sci-fi show. It might not be your thing, but most of the series, uh, most of the, the modern uh, seasons of the series are on HBO Max. And I've, I've been spending the last few months just when I can picking up an episode here or there. And starting really when David Tennant was the Doctor. The, 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 the Doctor is the same character, but regenerates, changes face every couple of seasons. And so David Tennant was the Doctor for a, a couple of seasons, and it was Matt Smith, and it was uh, Nick Capaldi. And for the last couple of seasons, it's been Jodie Whittaker, the first woman to play the Doctor. The David Tennant, Matt Smith, doctors were excellent when it went to capaldi things kind of slowed down a little bit but it was still overall a fairly good one the the character development not particularly of the doctor but of other characters was was kind of weird and it it really left a lot to be desired the original showrunners from the the revived series uh had left and so some new ones had taken over and then we get to the jody whittaker doctor and the most common complaint from people that I've heard just talking to regular fans of the show is that the show got too preachy during those three seasons. One of the episodes that turned a lot of people off was very early on. It was an episode on the civil rights movement and Rosa Parks, but it completely detracted from Rosa Parks and the civil rights movement. It, it, it tried to force a little bit too much. This was at the time uh, Donald Trump had just come up you know, a, a lot of the conversation, this, this is a British show, but a lot of the conversation, not just in the U.S., but, but globally, was about racism and white supremacy. And in that episode, some, some time-traveling white supremacists from the future wanted to stop Rosa Parks from, from, wanted to stop her from getting on the bus or whatever. It was just it was this major convoluted thing. And in the later season, in, in, in later seasons that she was in, that uh, Jodie Whittaker was the doctor, there was a lot of preaching on environmentalism. And the ratings for Doctor Who weren't as high as they had been. And a lot of the people, if you talk to regular Who fans, they will say that the show got very preachy. Whittaker's time as the doctor is over. They haven't picked the next doctor yet. But a lot of the reviews written by the entertainment writers, all of whom lean left. Their biggest complaint, they would never say that the show was too preachy because they agree with all the messages that were presented there. But th what they will say is that the show had a problem connecting its storylines, finishing its storylines. So unlike the NFL, which has dropped a lot of the preachiness. Doctor Who doubled down on a lot of it. NFL's ratings went up. Doctor Who's ratings went down. People aren't watching these shows. They aren't watching these broadcasts to be preached at. This is why, by the way, progressive talk radio doesn't work. 
People who listen to the radio don't want to be preached at. The only successful entertainment media that can be preachy and can be super left and can be very anti-whatever the cultural movement is at the time is, is in music because those are jaunty little tunes that take up about three minutes of time to listen to. And the music can be good and the lyrics can be interesting and it can keep you interested in those little short bursts. But if it's just somebody talking at you for however long on some issue, preaching at you, essentially saying that you're a terrible person, you're going to tune it out. Progressive talk radio doesn't work because that's their format. That's why the ratings are not high for cable news right now. Fox News is the highest. MSNBC comes in second because they have a loyal fan base. But when you really get down to it, a lot of the preachiness turns a lot of people off. Fox News is very successful because they aren't preachy. MSNBC and CNN in particular are. MSNBC gets away with it because they tell you up front what they are. And the people who like that sort of thing go watch. But There's not a mass market for that outside of cable news. CNN tried to tell you that they were playing it straight on the news, but then gave you the preachy stuff. People felt lied to. They started tuning it out. Conservative talk radio embraced the idea of entertainment first. Rush Limbaugh pioneered it. Rush Limbaugh will always be a legend because he was successful at doing this. He was successful at building an audience by engaging with his audience, by being entertainment. And oh yeah, he was giving you conservative talking points and conservative viewpoints. But whenever you look at progressive talk show hosts, they've never been that successful. They will never achieve that level of success because in order to be a progressive talk show, you have to be extremely negative and extremely preachy because nothing is ever good enough. Conservative talk is of the opinion that America is good, America is great, there are some things we need to fix. And progressive talk radio is from the perspective that America sucks, you're inherently terrible for some reason and that you need to change. Nobody is going to listen to that. Nobody was going to watch the NFL when NFL players and commentators were saying how awful everything is and how the system is inherently against these players and these athletes and people that look like them. And people were not going to watch Doctor Who if the show continuously told them that they were destroying the earth constantly, get rid of the entertainment value and just say over and over again, humans are destroying the earth. And that's what they were doing. People don't want to be preached at. People don't want to be told that they are bad. People would love to be told that, yes, things can absolutely be better. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. That things are good, we just have to do a couple other things different. They want that. They want to be entertained. They want to be informed. They don't want to be preached at and called terrible people. And that is the problem with a lot of not just political talk and political media and news media, but our entertainment media as well. So many people bought into this idea that they had to take this strong stance. They had to take this viewpoint. And part of it is that the mob on the left is constantly seeking these things out from influencers in our culture. 
there is no reason for there to have ever been a push to get Taylor Swift to chime in on politics. She is a musician. She is a popular artist. Everybody was listening to her music. Nobody cared what Taylor Swift thought about politics until she finally got pushed to the point where she had to say something. 232-1542, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we will talk about Joe Biden dragging down his party and all the data points that prove it right here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 965 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPL. Glad to be with you guys today. 232-1542 if you want to join in the conversation. So if you've been paying attention to any of the polling that's been coming out over the last couple of weeks, one thing is becoming extremely clear. Joe Biden is dragging down his party. It's, it's the party itself, the, the Democratic Party itself is struggling. But Joe Biden's ability, uh, inability to, to lead, to have a coherent and consistent message is killing them. A national poll released by NBC News on Wednesday showed a stunning, stunning percentage of Americans think that we're on the wrong track. 72% of Americans think that the country is headed in the wrong direction. This NBC poll said this was only the sixth time in history that it's been over 70% and that it happened, and, and, and that when it happened in an election year, it wasn't good for the party in power. Even more bad news. This is from uh, my colleague at Red State, Nick Arama. 61% said their family income was dropping behind the cost of living. 70% thought that America had become too polarized. That's up over 30% from a decade ago. Now, the whole polarization thing is not just Joe Biden's fault, but he's the guy in charge. The economy failing with no sign of really picking up in any significant way is happening under Joe Biden's watch. The COVID problems are happening under Joe Biden's watch. This latest surge, the lack of uh, masks, tests, treatments, all of this is happening while he's in charge. It's dragging the rest of the party down. Now, I mentioned last week another NBC poll that showed his disapproval was up. To make matters worse, the GOP overall has higher favorability than the Democratic Party in that NBC poll I mentioned just a minute ago. What's worse is that Kamala Harris actually has the worst favorability of anybody mentioned on that favorability. Um, it, the, the order, I forget, but it was like Joe Biden, uh, the GOP, the Democrats, Donald Trump, and Kamala Harris, a distant like fifth. It's crazy how much people disapprove of her. Now, she's not the one in charge, but she is the one who's supposed to be the successor. All of the bad numbers are stemming from the Biden administration's inability to form a coherent message or display any sort of leadership. Their legislative priorities have been all over the place, and the one issue they have, you know, gone all in for was the voting bill that nobody in America is really paying attention to right now. Nobody is paying attention to the voting issue right now. 
everybody's focused on their wallets, the economy, inflation, gas prices, supply shortages, everything like that. Everybody is focused on the headlines that we're seeing from overseas, the Russia-Ukraine situation. A lot of people still concerned about the Afghanistan situation. You know, with the Russian thing, it's actually kind of funny. Uh, in 2020, during the, the election and every, during the, the campaign and everything, Joe Biden's team actually tweeted out, Vladimir Putin doesn't want me to be president. He doesn't want me to be our nominee. If you're wondering why, it's because I'm the only person in this field who's ever gone toe-to-toe with him. I'm not entirely sure what toe-to-toe with Vladimir Putin looks like to Joe Biden, but to the rest of us, what we're seeing right now is not toe-to-toe. And people are picking up on that. People are picking up on the on the, the appearance of weakness and the lack of leadership from the Biden administration. Dig into the numbers on almost any of the recent polls you see. You'll see that on just about every social justice issue, the Democrats are understandably ahead. That's their thing. The problem is... That's not what's concerning voters right now. The ones who say that it's a big concern to voters are the activists, the ones who are pushing for these things. And they will say, that, oh, well, the Biden administration has paid attention to the economy and inflation. They've dismissed it. Jen Psaki had a statement uh, over the weekend. Something along the lines of, well, if you're if you're feeling pressure, you know, go to go to a kickboxing class, go have a margarita. What about the people who can't do that? What, are the peop- what about the people who don't have the means to just go to a kickboxing class? They don't have the means to just run out and have a margarita. Completely out of touch. And the American people are picking up on that. The domestic policy has been a failure. The foreign policy has been a failure so massive, even the Biden-friendly media can't ignore it. Foreign policy is not the Democrats' strong suit, but no one has been this bad at it since Jimmy Carter. And frankly, Jimmy Carter would be preferable right now to Joe Biden. On top of all this, keep in mind the Republican Party doesn't have a clear leader right now. Donald Trump is out there and he is releasing statements. He does get coverage, but he's not the clear, consistent leading voice of the party. The Republicans have no clear leader here. They're looking to see who the leader might be in the future. But they don't have to do anything right now. All they have to do is point at the Democrats and go, see? And the voters will nod along. It actually seems, if I were a tinfoil hat person, It actually seems like Biden is finishing the work of Barack Obama, who left office having decimated the Democratic Party on an electoral and national scale. With his arrogance, Barack Obama from 2008 to 2016 helped crush his party. He himself got reelected, but at the expense of other Democrats. And frankly, Mitt Romney was a terrible candidate. But Biden is doing it more efficiently. One year in, and it looks like the Democrats are already about to be wiped out. It took Obama a couple terms. Joe Biden might get it done in one. The Democrats have no future right now because everything is going wrong. And yes, some of it, some of it is 
at best, not helped by Biden. Some of it, at worst, is Biden's fault directly. That is a problem. That is a major issue for the Democrats. And there's really no solution here because they are all in behind Biden. They are all in behind his agenda. The Arizona Democratic Party just censured Kirsten Sinema. The Arizona Democratic Party literally has to do nothing. They don't have to do a thing because the Arizona GOP is absolutely nuts. They are legitimately crazy. And the Arizona Democratic Party just has to sit there and say, we're not the we're not the state GOP. We put forward good candidates. And because they are so held in thrall by the national far left base, the very vocal minority of their party. They have to put forward. This censure of Kirsten Sinema. Censures, by the way, don't do anything. They don't mean anything. At the end of the day, if there is no alternative candidate to Kirsten Sinema, and they're likely, Bernie Sanders, I think, is promoting one, but there's not really any meaningful alternative here. The, the state Democratic Party will have no choice but to support their candidate in Kirsten Sinema. But the Democrats are held in thrall to the very vocal, far-left minority of their party. And because of that, they continue to do and say things that are completely out of touch with what the American people actually are hoping for out of their leadership right now. And there is very little sign of change. It's incredible, honestly. It is absolutely incredible to see. Remember what I said in the last segment about preaching. Nobody likes to be preached at. Nobody likes to be told that they are bad, that they are inherently bad people. When you have a president who goes and pushes a voting rights act that's dead on arrival in the Senate anyway, but he goes and pushes that and says anybody who doesn't support it is like Bull Connor, is a racist. When you suggest in a press conference that if this voting measure doesn't pass, then the next election is illegitimate. And the White House has had one hell of a time trying to walk that one back. When you have a leader that's going out and saying these things and completely ignoring what the people of America are actually concerned about, then you lose them. 232-1542, if you want to take part in the conversation, Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham and on uh, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. One more break. We'll come back to our last segment of the day here on the Joe Cunningham Show. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965-KPEL. Glad to be with you guys today. If you want to join in the conversation in this last segment, 232-1542, be glad to have you on. Uh, So last week... Uh, So it was in the news last week that John Bell Edwards had weighed in on the Gary Chambers ad and that he was not thrilled with it. And I mentioned that this is just kind of par for the course. This is what we can expect. John Bell Edwards is going to back Luke Mixon. After all, we've heard reports of people from Edwards' own staff 
uh, and other prominent white Democrats around the state. They've they've put members of their staff and their own backing to this candidate. It was only a matter of time before Edwards came out and, and more or less kind of endorsed him, although it wasn't really an endorsement. Uh, talking about Luke Mixon, Edwards said, and his stand on the issues, sort of as best as I can tell, or at least similar to mine in terms of being a Democrat, a moderate Democrat, and quite frankly, I'm attracted to his candidacy. That was Edwards' half-hearted endorsement of Luke Mixon. Um, on the Chambers ad, the imagery of actually smoking marijuana on an internet ad is just not something that I think people should reward him for. That was Edwards' comment here. Um, Edwards wants to back Mixon. And that was more or less an endorsement last week. Going over to the Hayride, Scott McKay over the Hayride is kind of taking a similar vein to me on, on this. We both realize that Edwards and the, the white Democrats of the state want to back Mixon. Via McKay at the Hayride, the thing is Mixon is reportedly dying on the vine from a front from a fundraising standpoint. Neither Mixon nor Chambers has filed any finance reports with the FEC since the race began in earnest, but the word on the street is that in the four months Mixon has been at this, he's really struggled to line any money up. Chambers, on the other hand, already demonstrated last year that he can trail in online money fairly rapidly. It's quite likely that Chambers has raised more in a week or two than Mixon has in all the time he's been in the race, which has actually been a while. What John Bell Edwards needs to do if he wants Mixon to be the candidate is give him the endorsement now and line up all of his backers behind him. But he can't do that. And I've said this before, and I will continue to say it, as long as this race and as long as the Democrats continue to move forward the way they are in the state of Louisiana. The voting electorate for the Democratic Party in the state of Louisiana is 60% black. You have a black candidate versus a white candidate in this race against sitting uh, Senator John Kennedy. They have to be, they being Edwards and other Democratic leaders in the state, have to be very careful about how they approach the Mixon-Chambers race, or rivalry here. Because if they go too eagerly into the Mixon camp, and completely try to shut out Chambers, it's going to cause serious backlash from the black voters in Louisiana. If they stay out of it, their guy, as McKay put it, dies on the vine. They have to figure out some balance here. Right now, Kennedy is raising money off of the Chambers ad, which is to be expected. There are a lot of people on the right, who will see that ad and hear, and or more importantly, read the story about the ad. Because the ad can get you a decent amount of, of coverage on the internet, but nothing like every major media outlet in America, local, state, and national writing about it. And there are a lot of national outlets, left, right, and center, who wrote about that ad. And a lot of people read about that ad because of it. Chambers will have no problem drawing in support from not just Louisiana, but all over the country. Mixon is struggling, and Mixon will struggle in the state of Louisiana because 
He is a white Democrat in a state where more than half of the party's Democrat, registered Democratic voters are black, and they see a black candidate that they want to support. And Chambers, with a message like the marijuana ad, will receive a lot of that black voter support. If Edwards wants Mixon to survive this, he has to be delicate in this because I, I said it last week and I strongly feel this way. Mixon is as much running for U.S. Senate as he is running to be John Bill Edwards' successor. Edwards does not have a successor coming out of his second term. Next year, there has to be some Democrat who is ready to run a statewide race. And right now, one that could win, theoretically, like John Bell Edwards won the last two, would be somebody like Mixon. But white voters in the state of Louisiana are not voting Democrat. Some are, but a lot fewer are than used to. Black voters in the state of Louisiana are largely voting Democrat and will continue to do so. Mixon is not going to be the guy to draw those black Democratic votes. A white guy from central Louisiana who looks and sounds like John Bell Edwards, has a similar background to John Bell Edwards, is not going to draw a whole lot of support from them. But at the same time, Gary Chambers is pretty progressive, and he won't draw in any center-center-left candidates or any moderate candidates that may flip to the Democratic side of the ticket because they're, all, they're put off by somebody who might be too far right in their opinion. Right now, the, Democratic's, the Democrat Party's future in Louisiana, just like around the country, looks pretty bleak. Edwards really wants a successor really, really wants and needs a successor. The Democratic Party has no way to get him a successor like him. And black voters in the state are not going to be happy with anybody who looks or sounds like John Bell Edwards or Luke, Nick, or Luke Mixon. This is a problem. But at the same time, you have three Republican candidates, one all but confirmed, two we were pretty sure going to be running. We know that John Schroeder is running. All but confirmed. Leaked messages to supporters confirm it. We know that Jeff Landry and Billy Nungesser want to run. Nungesser will try to be the moderate Republican type, and Landry and Schroeder will be vying for the conservative side of that ballot. It will be the conservative Republican if there is no division like there has been in the last two gubernatorial cycles. If they don't attack each other, don't tear each other down to the point where the Democrat can just easily walk in, the conservative Republican will win the race in 2023. Billy Nungesser is not going to win. Gary Chambers wouldn't win. Luke Mixon may. All right, we've got we've got one caller on the line. Caller, you're going to have to make this one quick because we are coming up to the clock. How are you this afternoon? Hey, what's up, man? Um, yeah, so touching on this Gary Chambers uh, cannabis ad and stuff like that. 
I think there's a big takeaway that everyone's missing here, mm-hmm. uh, and it's got it, it ties in with COVID too. For a long time, the American people have been prohibited from utilizing plant medicine. Uh-huh. You know, and with this with this pandemic that we have going on, one thing that we've that we've learned as an American populace is that we can do our own research. We can find our own alternative medicines to treat our ailments. Mm-hmm. Such can be said for cannabis as well. When, when, the, when the Republican Party finally steps away from the reefer madness mentality about cannabis, yeah. they will find that they will grow their voter base by, 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 by almost tenfold. You're absolutely right. not four. Caller, thank you very much for that call. You're absolutely right. And I do want to explore this in the future. We've got to go ahead and take a 23-hour break, though. This is the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPEL. Join us on Twitter, Facebook, and check out the podcast online as well. Thank you, guys. Talk to you tomorrow.